Hey friends, we are so glad you are here with us. Um, hey, we've got lots of things going on here at Christ Community, so be sure to check out our website uh, and find different ways that you can connect with groups, events, things that are going on, and also just other messages. So like and subscribe, uh, as well as possibly share if this message today is something you would want to share. Um, enjoy. All right, you guys can have a seat. Um, I'm excited to be here. Um, it's, uh, so today is our final Saturday at 6 o'clock. Um, the upcoming Saturday service is going to be at 5 o'clock, and everyone cheered loudly. Um, it, it's been tough, man. You know, like, I'm tired. I'm supposed to be in bed right now. Um, so, um, but it's good to be here for our final 6 o'clock service on Saturday, and um, and, and, and th there are some things that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just in general um, excited about, but um, for instance, baptisms are going to be coming up pretty soon, and um, ugh, I'm already crying. Weird. Um, baptisms are coming up, and, and it's, there is a thing that baptisms are, um, and it's this beautiful symbol of the things that are happening. It's a test testimony for the people being baptized of the things that, that Jesus has done for them. It's a proclaiming of the truth. There's trans, it, there's a, they are transforming and, and taking on this identity of Jesus. And, and then for those of us who have been baptized, it, brought us, it brings us back to our baptism times and thinking about those times for us. And then Sometimes, you know, the, the coming of the baptism, there's kind of like this feeling that you, you think and are inspired by who, who do I know who, who is on the other side of baptism? Um, who have I forgot about? Who have I, you know, who hasn't, you know, gone through the journey and who is dying for hope and encouragement and to hear the gospel that, you know, has not been invited in? And I get challenged by that because um, there's something that's so inspiring about just the symbol and the poetry and the sacrament of baptism because I've, I've, I've been a part of this journey now for some time. And I've, oof, I've had the honor of baptizing quite a few people. And there's something about seeing in pe people's faces who they are before they go down and then who they are as soon as they come up. And it's the same person, right? I know. But the thing that causes people to go into the baptismal pool and the thing that causes them to come out of it, it's, it's like they've seen something. And of course, like the thing that calls you forward is they've seen the face of God, right? Like that's everyone's desire. It's like, see the face of God. Show me the Father. I want to see God. And, and typically, so if you ask someone why they're being baptized, they tell a story of the thing that Jesus has done for them, and they've seen him. And that, that's amazing because there's something about the vocabulary of hope. There's something about the, the vocabulary of I can transform. There's something about this idea that I can grow. I can follow him. 
I can be different. I can have purpose. I can have value. And it's all like tied up in the idea of the baptism inspired by seeing the face of God. Our passage today is a passage that at face value is really, really just simple and good and sound. If you go under the surface, I believe it changes our... I have such a desire to do this passage well. Because it could change everything for us. And I really believe that. It's this passage in the book of John, because our church is doing the book of John and began after Easter, and it's going to be done at Easter. So it's this whole season of the book of John, and this is chapter 14, verse 7 through 14. So we have seven verses. And Jesus just got done talking about this idea of, of heaven. And then he kind of turns the corner but by talking to Philip. And here's the thing he says. I'm going to put the whole verse or the whole passage up here. I'm going to show you the whole thing. And then through the duration of the sermon, we're going to kind of pick it apart and give context. And so here it is. If you really knew me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you know him You do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Wow. That's like this heavy block of theology concrete, okay? Um, This is like, that's it, time to go home. Someone can study this till the day they die and not even begin to grasp any of it. But on the outside, it seems brilliant, easy, and super, super fun. Um, So, so. Jesus just gets done talking about heaven in the sermon in the context before this. And then he begins talking about his father. I'm I'm going to show you the father. And Philip, um, Philip says something that's that's like so good. And I love Philip. Uh, Philip is someone who always points out the obvious. He's the guy during the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus said, how do I feed all these people? And then he begins to 
calculate how expensive that would be um, because he sees things at face value all the time. And so, but his heart's really good and big and I love him. And so, so Jesus is talking about showing, showing people the Father and Philip gets excited and says, Jesus, show us the Father and that's good enough for us. You know, like, I love that. It's like the only thing is like, you know, so everything else, we don't care about that. Just show us the face of God. I would be in the same boat as that. I want to see God. Show us him. Okay, first of all, I want to build a bit of context here. This is simple context, but it's really, really important for everything that's about to ensue. Who is Philip? The easy answer to who Philip is, is he is a disciple of Jesus. And then that's going to bring us to ask the question, what is a disciple? It's very easy in our context to say a disciple is someone who follows someone. But in a Hebrew context, that, not, that actually isn't true. And so I'm going to kind of break down a bit what it is to be a disciple, okay, from a Jewish context. And I'm bringing up Judaism because all of these people are Jews, okay? Um, so, so Jewish context is really important here. And, and the posture that Philip has towards his teacher is a discipleship posture. He's, he's excited. He asks questions. He's brilliant. He's fun. What is a disciple? The discipleship process in the Jewish culture begins at the age of five. And, and, and people go to school at the age of five, and they are taught the the Old Testament, and specifically, they're taught the first five books of the Bible. They're not just taught the first five books of the Bible. They are taught to memorize it. Um, they, they memorize the first five books of the Bible word for word for word for word. And the average Jewish boy could do this by the age of 12, all right? So they have the whole Torah, first five books of the Bible, memorized. Like this is like the seeds planted in the heart, right? And, and so um, from the age of five to 12, there's this journey that these people go on to, to, to truly consume and, and to, to begin to like hold on to God's word. And they can quote it like no one's business. This is a common thing. They knew the word of God. And that, that's at the age of 12. That's the first, um, the, the first journey of discipleship for, for a Jewish boy. So, but that's just the beginning. And you think about, like, in the beginning of discipleship, they memorize the first five books of the Bible, right? And, and, the, and, and so it's the consumption of God's Word. Then at the age of 12, something happens. These boys go to the temple and they almost show off. They, they show off, here's, here's the understanding of the thing that, that I have consumed. I can, I can think about it. I can, I can begin to explain it. I have interpretation of it. And so they will go to the temple to show off to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the people who teach Torah in hopes of being picked by them to be a disciple, right? So from the age of 5 to 12, they are, are becoming Torah. Like, they are memorizing the first five books of the Bible. Then they begin to transform it. It transforms how they think. And then they go to the temple at the age of 12. How old had 
Jesus been during the time he visited the temple to teach in the temple? He was 12. Um, this is the thing that was happening. And so, so he goes to the te- they go to the temple. They're 12. There's Torah teachers, Pharisees, Sadducees, and they're all trying to pick the best of the best from these people who have memorized Torah. And so, 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 so then at that point, the, the thing that the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Torah teachers are trying to do, and they're trying to think is, is can, can, can these different people here, can they apply things how I apply things to do the things that I do? do so that they can take what I know and be what I do so that they can follow and become me, right? It's like that idea. It's like, can you do what I do? So so in the beginning of the discipleship journey, it's, it's can you study Torah? Then it's can you explain Torah? Then it's can you do Torah? Right? Um, so there's this journey that happens, and it's at the age of five to 12, memorizing the Word of God, then, then explaining it and, and, and saying, here's what it's doing within me. And then it's, yeah, but can you do it? Can you do what I do? And for each Pharisee, Sadducee, and Torah teacher, they, had, they, own, they, they each had their own school of thought of how to do it, of how to become it, how to walk it, because the word of God is alive and it should be lived, right? And so, so, so there's this idea of the calling of a disciple is to say, you can do what I do. You can be in me and I can be in you. And we can do this together. At the end of the discipleship process, there's this thing, like, um, if the Torah teacher is about to die, there's this process that's, that's called giving the keys of the kingdom. Because a Torah teacher, they have their own perspective on things. And so, so before they die, if the disciple has gained the perspective it's said that they give over the keys of the kingdom to this disciple to carry on the things that this Torah teacher has given the disciple because they are who they are and so forth. So, so being a Jewish disciple, we're going back to Philip, right? Going up to Philip, he, he has been called by Jesus to do what he does. And, and th- th- there's this whole thing in discipleship, like they, they aren't just being taught by the teacher. They are, they are copying the teacher. They're observant. They are, are trying to do everything that the teacher is doing. There are st- stories about disciples following their teacher to the bathroom to copy how they go to the bathroom because they want to be so similar that you cannot tell them apart right? It's in action and deed that this final step of discipleship is happening because it's assumed by the age of 12, you know it. But the big question is, is can you do it? And beyond that, can you be it? Because the word of God is alive and meant to be lived in you, right? This is discipleship. There's a bunch of us who know it, but are 70, but are caught in the age of 12. 
because we've never done it and it has not become us. That's why the call of Jesus is profound. So Philip, called by Jesus, a disciple. And so he, he often, he's, he's trying hard to understand, right? He's trying hard to jump into things. So Jesus is talking about, hey, I'm going to show you the Father. And Philip's like, yes, show me the Father and that's enough for me. And Jesus goes, oh, Philip, Philip, how can you say, show me the Father? If I'm Philip at this time, it's like, because you just said you would. (laughs) But Jesus goes down this path that speaks a discipleship vocabulary. He goes down this path that speaks the vocabulary that Philip has heard. Philip, how can you say that you have not seen the Father after you've been with me all this time? And the discipleship vocabulary, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. Now, this is... Jewish discipleship vocabulary 101. You only do what you see your teacher doing. You are in him and he is in you. You only say what you hear the teacher saying. You do not speak on your own authority, you speak on his. (laughs) And so, so Jesus, I am the father. I only do what he does. I only say what he says. I speak in his authority. Philip, if you don't believe me, at least trust the works that I do. Now, at this point, I will circle that. Because in the church, it's typically like we don't talk about that part. We don't talk about the things we actually do the works. And Jesus is pointing at this as like, man, if you don't see anything else, circle this because this is all you need. Because he's saying, I've been doing the things that the Father does. Isn't that blatantly obvious to you? What I've done testifies to who I am. Again, this is this final phase of discipleship. Okay, it begins in the, I'm going to study the Bible. I'm going to say how it transforms. I'm going to apply it and do it. I'm going to become it. And so, so by him saying, this, this is the evidence of who I am. It's what I'm doing. And the only one who has done these things is the Father, by what I do. This brings up a different part of Hebrew understanding of something and the Hebrew understanding of name. Name. What is in a Jewish name? Everything. And absolutely nothing at the same time. So in Judaism, the thing you are called, it can, it's up and down 
the air. It's expendable. It can change. It can change according to who you are, but who you are is dependent on the things you do. It isn't the thing you're called, but you are called by the things you do, but it isn't what you are. So, so, the, so someone can be called something on the eighth day that they're born, but it can change as you change, and the actions that you have change. You are called by the things you do. And in the discipleship journey, the end goal of discipleship is to actually take the name of the teacher that you studied under because the things you do are so in tune to your teacher that you cannot separate it apart. And if you can't separate the things you do by the things that your Torah teacher did, there is not a differentiation between you at all, and you're actually the same as far as the thing that you are called. And so, so the things you're doing is actually the definitive of what you are inside the Jewish culture, and your name changes. That happens throughout the Old Testament a ton. Someone had been this, and they do something, and they're called this. Someone had been this, and they do something, and it becomes this. They're transformed. They change. It's like a baptismal process happens. And so, so there's this idea of the things you do gives you your identity of what you are or whose you are. So this thing that in the church we typically don't talk about the things you do, but this could actually be the very definitive thing that we are meant to be. In fact, everyone else outside the church is defining the church by the thing that it does, and it tends to be the opposite that the Father is doing. So, um, so thinking about the things we do gives us our name, especially in Judaism. It's, it's a very interesting thing because Jesus at this point is saying, you define me, I'm the Father, look at the things that I have done. I do the same things that the Father has done. Don't you see me? What would it be like to be able to engage the types of same things in our culture today? To be able to be honest about the things we are engaging, doing, thinking, and being truly defined by them and being transparent about that. For Jesus to define himself by the authority he speaks in, by the things that he sees his father doing, and by the things he's engaging, and he says, everything I am is in this. What would that be like to have such confidence and ownership in our journey as a church, and then as a disciple of Jesus. I don't know. But here's the thing. This passage is all about this idea of discipleship and name, because Jesus turns the corner here from talking about himself and showing you the Father, because he's kind of doing that. Like he says, I'm going to show everyone the Father, and Philip's like, show us the Father, and he's like, I already did right? It's like this bait and switch idea, but it's like telling the truth. I am the father. And then he turns the corner 
and he talks about you, us, Philip, the disciples, and his name. And this passage has caused so much chaos from the beginning of the conception of the church to today. And so I really have a desire to do this properly. So here it is. Maybe. Uh, uh, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And? (laughs) Very truly, I tell you, here it is. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. All right. What is in a name? Everything and absolutely nothing. Right? What is in a name? And and so in the second half of this passage, it is, it's like, so, so, so the first half, it's him saying, I am the Father. Everything I've done is on his authority. I do what, and I am going to him, and I'm inviting you to do exactly the thing that I have done. Anyone who believes in me will do exactly what I have done. Bring back the discipleship vocabulary, please. He is speaking to his disciples. If you believe in me that I am the Father and I am in him and he is in me and I am going to him, you will do exactly what I am doing, right? Again, let's circle doing, right? Do not be afraid, church, of doing things. You will do exactly what I am doing. This is an action. It's not, if you believe in me, just keep believing. This isn't a song, right? This is, if you believe in me, you will be transformed by it and you will do it, right? Because the discipleship vocabulary that he says in this first part of the passage transcends into the second half. This is the book of John. I am in the Father and he is in me. I only do what I see him doing. I do not speak on my own authority, but I speak in his authority. He wants you to be able to say the same thing. You are his disciples, You will do what he is doing. If you believe in me, you will do exactly what I am doing. He wants you to be able to say, I am in Jesus and Jesus is in me. I only do what I see Jesus doing. 
I do not speak on my authority, but I speak on his. If you don't believe in it, look at what I'm done. That's it, right? What's in the name? Like, like what do we call ourselves? Christians, what does it mean? Little Christian, little Christ, Christ-like. What did people in Bible times call the disciples of Christ after the ascension of Christ? Jesus. That's what they did. That's discipleship. You can't tell them apart. The journey of discipleship is to be transformed. It's just not to be at the age of 12 forever. We don't want to be 12 saying, I have all the facts. Or we don't want to stay in the temple and brag about our understanding of it. No one cares anymore. (laughs) Who cares? You're not that smart, right? You're not that smart until you come over here and it's like, you know, you're doing it. You're following. We talk about discipleship all the time and then we turn it into an academic process of consuming more info. We don't need any more. We need to see Jesus. We need to know Jesus. How are you going to do what you see him doing if you don't even see him? This is where it gets fun. This is, this is the other side of baptism. It's you come out of the baptismal pool and you walk, right? Like this is, this is the journey. This is the stuff. This is, this is the thing, This is what you signed up for, and it's all over the Bible. It's the acts of the disciples of Jesus. There's a whole book about it. That's your story. It's the people who did things, acts. It's the actions. That's what what it is. The actions of the disciples, don't be afraid to act, right? But be afraid to act if you don't see him. How much of our things are things that Jesus isn't doing or the things that are being said. He never said that. How cool would it be to be able to be so vibing with Jesus that you're like, I only say what I hear him saying. I, I, I speak in his authority if, you know, like I, I do what I see him doing. I am in him and he is in me. Like, That's our Sunday school vocabulary, right? Jesus is in my heart. Your heart is all that you are. It's the only thing of value you have. And he is in it. This is what we're going for. If Jesus is in your heart, he's doing things. What does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? Right? Bring back the vocabulary of discipleship. Bring back this idea of action and being called. You were called by him to follow. What is it to follow? It's not to study him. It's to be with him. It's to see how he eats. 
It's to see how he thinks. It's to feel what he feels. It's to get up at the same time, to go to bed at the same I'm being poetic here, right? Like, it's if you know him, what does his breath smell like? The whole gospel is he's not dead. He is alive. The disciples of Christ prove it. Right? That's what disciples do. They have the keys of the kingdom. Right? There's a lot of poetry here. There's the calling of Christ. The idea of the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Where does that come from? That's discipleship vocabulary. Do what you see me doing. How can we see if we're blind? How can we hear what he's doing if we're deaf? Our prayers for some of us should be, Lord, help me see. Lord, help me hear. Because I only want to see what you're doing and hear what you're saying. Show me the face of the Father. This is the story. This is the stuff. This is what we signed up for. Engaging in baptism and the truth of the gospel. The gospel is not a fairy tale. Kind of is. But it's a real one. Man, so the other day I was at the airport. I was coming home from Canada. It's kind of embarrassing to tell this story, but I'm going to do it. I came to this place of complete brokenness. Okay, so I was coming from Canada. I, had, so I was bringing home 12 boxes from Canada. And so I paid a ton of cash to get these 12 big boxes home from Canada. Don't ask me the things that have been in the boxes. It's going to be a secret. Anyway, and it's going to drive you crazy. Anyway, so I was bringing these 12 boxes home from Canada. Really valuable things. Very valuable. Very, 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 very valuable. So I was bringing these back. And so I get home to the Denver airport, and I'm standing by the baggage claim. Not a single box showed up, right? Not a single box showed up. And, and um, the airline that, 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 that I flew in on, they did not have a, a, uh, a hub there at the Denver airport because the airline had been from Canada. And so I could not find the employees for the specific the airline, to be able to get help. And it should be very easy to find a bag that didn't show up, but I had 12. And so, but then on top of that, I have a speech impediment. I know it's hard to tell, um, but there's this phobia I have of talking to people on the phone. I'm just telling you that to be honest, so if someone here calls me, the odds are I don't pick up, I'll just send you a text back. Um, so, so the idea, if I go home, I probably can't do anything as far as calling the airline. I have to stay at the airport, find someone to help me. And so, but the airline does not have someone, they don't have a hub there, so there isn't the employees, and they keep telling me to go on the app and call the airline. And I'm like, I can't. And so then I pull up the specific bags that I have, and they don't exist. Um, so, so I'm like trying to do this whole thing, and then I call, and I'm talking to the person, and they tell me, um, 
can you please tell me the specific baggage code that that did not come in? I have 12 of them, and they're each 14 digits. I have a speech impediment. And she keeps saying, I'm sorry, sir, I can't understand you. And and so, so after a series of these things, these bags don't exist in their database. I'm there for four hours, struggling. I'm on the struggle bus, hawking the horn. And, uh, and I see this person go by me, and I can't even describe it. Um, I just felt like, man, that person's a sister. That, that's all I got. I, I saw her. And I go up to her and I say, please, I need your help. And so this person pauses and says, well, how can I help you? And I said, I flew, on, flew in on dot, 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 dot. My bags aren't here. And she puts up her hands and says, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I am the employee for dot, dot, dot. And I said, I know, but I, I just need help. Can you help? I am desperate at this point. Like I am crying and um, I'm like, can you just please help me? And she says, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm like, yeah, I, but can you just go in your computer? She says, I'm sorry, I can't, you know? And I'm like, I know you can't. Can you just, and then she says, so I'm an employee of it. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I believe in Jesus to the pit of my soul. And so do you, I know it. And she like, pause. And I'm like, as a brother, I'm asking you to help me. <laughs> I, I, ugh, good stuff. I got my bags back the following day. She called me. She said, I found your bags. They're in Calgary. And like, man, there was like, there was something about, it was like, I know you. I know you. So t- taking this passage of this idea of um, whatever you ask for in my name, like, what does that mean? What's in a name? Uh, so can I ask for anything and just say, in the name of Jesus, give me a pepperoni pizza. And if a pepperoni pizza does not show up, he's lying. That's what, that's how this has technically been taught. Whatever someone in the church asks in my name, in the name of Jesus, make me a millionaire. That'd be awesome. What's in a name? What does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? Disciples know exactly what that means. That's the final, right? That's the final. It's become you. You studied it. You absorbed it. You understood it. You taught it. You applied it. You're doing it. Through the doing, it became you, and you became it. What does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? Yikes. Does it mean to be able to say what he said? I am in the Father, and he is in me. I only do what I see the Father doing, and I speak in his authority. I am in Jesus, and he is in me. And when I pray, it is him praying I mean, like, really? Like, what would that change? When I am in Jesus, and Jesus is me, and I don't pray on my own behalf. I pray what he's praying, and when I pray in him, we're praying together, and our hearts are beating, and he's, yes. 
makes me really want to pray, makes me really want to follow, makes me really want to see, makes me really want to be by his side, makes me really want to grow, makes me really, really want to do this. This is what I signed up for. This is why all the things make sense then. This is why the small groups, the discipleship studies, the spiritual development, the how do I see Jesus? What do I do? Where can I be see him? Where, where is he running by? The disciples chase down their teachers. What would it be like to chase down Jesus? He would get up early before everyone else. They would chase him down to do what he was doing. What would it be for the church to chase down Jesus and pursue him with an active devotion so that they could pray in his name and it actually meant something? Everyone is begging for Jesus to come back from the dead. But he already has, and the disciples prove it. This is the passage for today. And John begins to invite us into this journey that Jesus is saying, I am going to the Father, and now it's your turn. This is the age of the church. This is the acts of the disciples. And you have everything it takes to do even greater things than these. You are blessed. You are blessed. And we are so blessed to be here bringing this back to the idea of baptism and everything it holds and the invitation behind it and the symbol of, of going in somebody and coming out somebody else. The origin of baptism is I'm going in as KJ Tenza and I'm coming out in him as Jesus Christ. It is not I who am alive, but he who lives in me the Apostle Paul. This is where it all makes sense. This is where the kings of the kingdom begin to clamor because there's a lot of people in cages that are dying for you to drop the keys. Jesus, thank you that you are alive and that you invite us to follow. Thank you that you take the time to give us attention. Thank you that you take the time to speak, that you take the time to invite us on a journey of the things that you dream about. Thank you for active discipleship, a journey of becoming Jesus. Thank you for joy and hope, for tr tr the ability to transform into something very other, Jesus, thank you for the heart that you have for us that transforms into our hearts for others. Thank you for answering the questions that are being asked and being present in the spaces that are empty. Lord, help us to do the same. Give us eyes to see you. Give us ears to hear you. May we be your hands, may we be your feet. May the body of Christ wake up and stop sleeping because we have things to do. Jesus, 
Show us what you're doing now. So if there are things that came from this sermon that impacted you, that spoke to you, that inspired you, and I hope that there are because I'm the one who did it. (laughs) Yeah. um, There are people who are open to praying for you. They're they're open to hearing the things you're going through. Um, You only have to go on the app and go on our site. There's a button that you click that that there's someone on the other side of that. And the odds are it's someone here um, that's going to be doing that. So take advantage of doing that. All the things that are on the app and our site, it's for everyone. So even if you don't attend here, uh, you're not here physically, um, there are things that are for you. So engage that, explore it. And I hope that you you get the things that God is bringing up and inspiring inside of your heart.